Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Otari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who recently got a job working at a radio station calling for the overthrow of the government. <laughs> I am the Adam Glass, and I mean, is it, that, that is kind of what we do. It is. Uh, the funny thing is, is that whenever you see something like that, because you do see that in other movies about this, and like, you know, the importance of the radio and stuff in these sorts of uh, civil conflicts, right? But like, you kind of like, yeah. it's like always like, how, like how widely accepted the thing that you're like calling for has to be for you to be able to put it on the radio and not have somebody just immediately march in there and arrest you? Oh yeah, yeah. It's always a really yeah. interesting thing to think about, right? The uh, the radio as primary communication aspect, Claire Denis gets into a little yeah. bit in one of the bonus episodes, which is very interesting. To me that I mean, she she seems to be claiming that uh, when Marie randomly comes across a radio in a, in the forest. <laughs> That this is a normal thing that would happen in Cameroon. Uh, let's be clear here. Uh, and I'm not, Claire Denise I'm, says a lot of things that are slightly not, suspect. Okay, slightly too very. I would yes. say actually, slight, but anywhere between slightly <laughs> but, and very. But but obviously pointing out that uh, it is the easiest means of communication, shortwave radio. Uh, not that the you know the the little handheld thing she she listens to uh, that Marie finds is not even shortwave you know there's no there's no uh, broadcast it's only it's only receiver but right this came out in 2009 and right. presumably that interview with Denis is is around the same well, time it's 2010 it, it, it's 2010 box, i believe yeah yeah. yeah so uh um i'm betting that even in some rural parts of africa uh, cellular infrastructure has improved in the last 13 years. Well, I mean, um, my 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 exposure to this has been because uh, I've seen presentations about this and stuff. Yeah. Is that like at, at some point I assumed it had happened already by about 2009, 2010. Like the cell phone cell phone usage exploded in Africa because right, right, right. again you run into the thing that you find in a lot of economies, which is like, oh shit, you can have a computer now. Like yes, you have sudden and like immediate access to vastly larger quantities of information, and because it can be charged via and has a battery associated with it, doesn't require you to always be able to be plugged into infrastructure physically to be able to like right get that stuff right. And so my my understanding while while the um while the plans tend to be extremely uh, bad and exploitative, uh, that it is that has not changed the fact that cell phone use is just. For like, I think even probably now it's still like the largest growing market, right. like just an right. absolutely massive market for that stuff. Um, and exploitative, exploitative plans are why. Uh, I mean, you know, WhatsApp, <laughs> WhatsApp right. is so popular in in so many countries around the world. Right, right. Like there was a, um, there was a, yeah. I was a whole article about like because like about what was it? Probably almost like ten years ago. Uh, there was a whole thing about like Facebook was, was going to offer that plan that they were also going to offer in India and a couple other places where they were going to like. You, when you accessed Facebook, you wouldn't pay, and you would only pay yes. when you, you know, and like some Facebook associated uh, cell phone. Ones. I'm not sure. My my impression has been that like a lot of that stuff got scrapped because even even in those extremely vulnerable markets, uh, people were like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Was kind of the response to that. Uh, but I don't want to go to Facebook. Fuck you. Uh, uh, anyway, because you know that's. I mean, eventually all all societies realize, hey, I don't want to go to Facebook. Fuck you, as a sort of a, a global yeah. standard. Um, but yeah, no. I, I, but you know, but that that jump between radio and cell phones makes sense, right? Because both of them are fundamentally 
uh, sort of detachable from infrastructure, right? You can right, you right, can right. move them around. Radios have been portable for an extremely long time, um, and so that 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 freedom to not have to rely per se on a, a semi a somewhat unreliable infrastructure is really important. Pat, before I get into the movie this week, I do want to briefly talk about our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. Over there for a dollar a month. You can help keep us going and get access to some bonus content. I'm glad you're excited. We do a non-Criterion film over there, and our supporters get to vote on what we're going to watch. Uh, It is is my monthly challenge to think of a list that uh, is clever but not stupid. I think Uh, you're doing a great (laughs) job, and you should be proud of yourself. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Because, uh, cause you know, I could I could fall back, and they don't have to be clever, but uh, I'd feel dumb if they weren't. So I, I think I the real, the fundamental characteristic, even more than clever, is uh, exciting, like interesting. Yeah. So something they have to, to be intrigue people, right? <laughs> that's, that's really what I want. Uh, and I want to end up watching a movie that uh, we're going to enjoy watching and people will enjoy seeking out to hear the bonus right, episode right. with. And, and that's the it. interesting thing, right, is that I would argue that probably our my criteria and the audience's criteria are similar but not the same in oh, the sure. sense that, like, I primarily want one that will be as painless as humanly possible for me to watch. Yes. Yeah. Well, then then also my criteria is uh, just insane compared to anyone's, apparently. <laughs> so, I, sometimes. It's possible, yes. <laughs> Which, we're, we, we've had conversations uh, about yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, yeah, it is fun to make the list. It is fun to engage with the list. Uh, but also sometimes I don't want to make a list. So uh, supporters can suggest lists. And if they do that, we try to get whoever suggests the list on the episode, too, because it's always fun to watch a movie with someone who already loves that it's movie. It is fun. That is very fun. Yeah. And it's patreon.com slash lost in criterion. And that's all the dollar mark. A little above that uh, for folks who can help keep us going, help pay, pay our internet bills. Um, we like to thank them on air. So the $5 mark gets you thanked on air. And thank you so much to Andrew Jarrett, Chris Otto, Eric Coronado, and Stephen Goldmeyer for supporting us at $5 a month. Thank you. Above that, we do something kind of special. Pat makes a piece I, of I would argue very special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we've watched recently, and I write a little personalized thank you note with that art printed up on a postcard and mail it off once a month to our $10 and above supporters. We also like to thank them on air. Thank you so much to Adam Speakerman, Nina Bojnak, Jason Westhaver, Patrick Yako, and Tracy McGrath. Thank you, all of you. If you want to check out those postcards without committing to that $10 mark, you can head over to redbubble.com. Search for Lost in Criterion there. Our store will pop up with most of the past postcards. Uh, some of them have been challenged over the years. Banned uh, because they were too hot for... No, wait, no, that's not... They were too hot for Redbubble to call them fair use. Right. Uh, they, even were, they were fair use. To be fair, <laughs> I think anything is too hot for fair for yes. Redbubble to call it fair use. I think... Redbubble probably has a blanket policy to say, fuck it, we don't care. Enough about copyright crime, though. 
Uh, head over to redbubble.com, search for Lost in Criterion. You can see those past codes cards. You can buy them as postcards, as greeting cards, as stickers, uh, some as buttons, one as a t-shirt. Pat's Art's great. You should check it out. Thank you to everyone who has uh, checked it out and ordered anything from the Redbubble. Thank you to, so much to everybody who supports us through our Patreon, and thank you for listening. Yes, thank you, all of you. Pat, this week we are talking about white material from 2009. It is the first film we've seen... Uh, directed by Claire Denis, kinda. Uh, we have seen three movies where she was assistant director already. Uh, she okay. worked under she worked under Wim Wenders uh, on Paris, Texas, and Wings of Desire. Okay, and she worked okay. with Jim Jarmusch on Down by Law, among others. Yeah, uh, you can kind of you get the feeling, right? Like, I mean, that makes sense. Like you when can, you look at, at you can at see her that work. Pedigree. Yeah. You can see it, yeah. This film is co-written with French playwright Marie Ndiaye, who's uh, of Senegalese descent. Um, it is a story of colonialism falling apart, I guess. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, the it, power, it, it's the power that vacuum with, post-colonialism, right, right. You, I guess, you, is really what you, it's about. There's a lot of, um, you know, it, it's based in a sort of fictional country. Yeah. Which is which is interesting because you kind of get that thing where like well we but you see shades of this ha- what has happened all over not just yes. uh, especially in Africa but not just Africa uh, when the colonial powers decide that they have extracted all that they can from the place and it's no longer worth the effort to maintain their sort of stranglehold then right. uh, then they leave and then things tend to get real bad yeah. Yeah, that's you know this is. I read I read one commentation. I think it might have been the Criterion essay that uh, that suggested this was decades after colonialism had ended. Uh, I mean, the literally, the French helicopter flies yeah, over and right. says, "The French hey, military is still active." <laughs> yeah, the like I don't feel like active. that's an argu- I don't feel like that's a viable <laughs> argument. I feel like somebody needs to rewatch the movie. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, um, usually, foreign. Uh, usually, when you are uh, no longer a colonial power, you don't get to just fly your helicopter, your military helicopters around for fun. Now, now to be fair, you can often pretend that we've gone through a decolonization effort and given given uh, democratic power to to the country in question, and still maintain a military presence. Uh, that's true. That, that's true. That Although does actually happen. It, I I understand that. But my my yeah. but there is but there's usually a lot of like weird caveats to the way that ends up working. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and this doesn't feel like that. Thing you know, you're usually talking at that point about some sort of propped up military dictatorship that that you just right. replaced you just replaced colonialism with neocolonialism and walked in, and sort of like took a step back a little bit. Uh, and then yeah. just sort of like left somebody a puppet government in place. This does not feel that way. It just the movie just doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel accurate to what the movie is showing us. Right. So right. I don't buy it. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> Man says he does not buy it. Uh, more than eleven. I agree with you. I don't buy it either. I feel like uh, I feel like that's people who are just, sorry to, to interrupt. But I do feel like that's oh, by all means. There's a certain kind of movie watcher who is trying to sort of trying to excuse, like you know, provide cover for a for, 
for fictional bad guys. You know what I mean? Like it's like, yeah. it's like the it's the it's the uh, Simpsons guy diving in front of like Elon Musk, right, meme, right, 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 but right. for a made up place that doesn't <laughs> exist, right? Yeah, well, uh, well, in that case, but it's just for representative the of a bunch of, of places that existed, you know, for the concept of uh, of colonialism, French colonialism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It's like it, this is. I mean. Yeah, the play, the the fact that it's French doesn't matter, except for it just it it benefits them in the way that it benefits our creator in the sense that she can use all French actors or or um right 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 um well shoot uh Cameroon actors that that means they yes. she doesn't have to have a bunch of people speaking a language she doesn't understand <laughs> right 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 yeah and and Denis uh grew up uh spent uh spent her prepubescent years uh in africa um as the daughter of a french diplomat a civil servant i guess uh there's a there's a line there that not all civil servants are diplomats i guess right. is what well i, mean. I so. mean i when was um shoot, yeah i mean you that it really her sort of um her history is interesting that way right like i mean she is the product of the things she's making movies about basically right right uh right. and and but like sorry to say to to my eyes from the wrong side uh like yeah i think well no 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 what i mean is i i'm not saying that her movies are bad or anything like that what i'm saying oh, is, is that she viewed it from she grew up on it in it on the wrong side. Yes. And then she also makes her movies thus far. She's we, we, we've got a classic problem here and it's not a terrible problem, but it's the classic problem of like, well, I want to make movies about Africa, but like, you know, and, and she's doing a fine job of trying to tell, you know, stories in Africa with African people, but like, you know, her main character is still just a stand-in for her, right? Right, and which as much is as problematic a, to a certain extent, right? It just right. will be. And as much as Marie is a stand-in for Claire Denis, um, it is Marie's story is a tale of someone alienated from the only place she's ever called home, right? Uh, and that that is something to consider. Uh, if we're talking about decolonization, uh, uh, someone who is part of the colonizing force, but uh, has has lived in the country for generations. And, you know, I, I think about this a lot when we think about uh, what would practically in the U.S. a an actual land back movement of reparations to to Native Americans look like. Uh, not as not as an abstract idea, but actually in practice. What does that mean? Are we, uh, uh, <clears throat> I mean, generally, the, the easiest answer to that question is, well, we give, we give the power of ownership of the land uh, back to natives. Uh, that doesn't mean everyone gets kicked out <laughs> or, or that it becomes untenable right, right. for, you, you, for yeah, every one right. of European descendants to stay. Uh, but, but it is still something that has to be worked through in, in discussion, I suppose. Um, and it's also, I think, fair to say that Marie is sympathetic 
But Marie is sympathetic in that she is pitiful. Uh, or pitiable. Um, not necessarily that she is sympathetic as right, and, a, and, a hero of this story. Right, no, and, and that, that's true. I mean, like I, like I, am, I said, I don't think like Claire Denis is necessarily doing like the worst version of this or anything like that. Right. You can do a lot, lot worse. Yeah. Um, and, and Marie is like, you know, as you said, is a very pitiful figure in some regards, right? Um, and like you can under you can you can understand where she comes from, yeah, and all that. It, so it's not like it's just it's sort of like you get you run into kind She's, of what has become an age old problem for us, which is like Claire Denis wants is, to talk about this place, right. and like and, and in some ways wants to talk about her past. The problem is is that like. In those regards, her past is, no matter how you cut it, it's always going to be kind of looking from the wrong side. Right, right, right. right it just right. is going to be. And yeah. it's, it's unavoidable. I also think that uh, Isabella Huppert, who plays Marie, uh, who we've seen before also in uh, years ago uh, <laughs> and years prior to this movie from 1981, uh, Bertrand Traver- uh, Travernier's uh, Coup de Torchon, also a film about uh, French people in Africa. Um, but there's an interview with her as a bonus feature, and I think her interpretation of Marie leaves a worse taste in my mouth. Yes, than, I, I agree. Than I agree. me watching the movie. Some of it's smart. Uh, she points out that Marie has no political awareness about what's happening around her, that that her own concern is a tie to the land. But I don't know that it's necessarily a tie to the land so much as uh, the desperation of of needing this final coffee. Uh, right. See, that's that. Yeah, that's a very good point, because that's the thing that I, I also was like, you, you, her argument yeah. is sort of that, well. She doesn't like she's not about the money or or the but like I can't truly confirm that right she's desperate to bring right. this this last harvest in like and and you keep kind of when, for me personally when I'm watching the movie I keep asking myself like why is she so desperate to bring now it's also possible that that's just an excuse right like she she's formed a sort of yeah. like she doesn't want to leave so she's kind of like formed a sort of sort of internally for her plausible reason why yeah. she needs to stay. Like I, I could buy that. I mean Yeah, but, but I it's also, also quite I possible don't. that like well I just gotta get that what every time these sort of decolonization things have occurred, you get people like Marie who gotta just eke out that last little bit out of the place before they leave, right? Right. Right. And yeah. those things are kind of indistinguishable from each other. Right. Right. There's Marie, in as much as she is a political metaphor, is different to Marie as a character, I think. And Marie's actual character motivations, she's not a naive person. She's right. maybe not completely aware of what's going on around her. But she has to know that there is a lot of debt on the land that she believes to be hers or believes to be coming right, to her right. in the future. It is the inheritance she will receive from her from her ex father in law, um. So the the harvest isn't just you know it's it's a bygone conclusion that even if she does harvest this, there's no way to get it to market. 
but but she is delusionally believing that this is the the safety you know that that having this harvest come in and, and selling this harvest is the only way she will be able to maintain life and there's a fine line between that maintaining of life being that she'll get this inheritance and the farm will be hers or maintaining life as a uh, a blinders on delusion that she can right. maintain normal <laughs> normalcy in in the country that is falling apart um or at least her place is falling away. Uh, my real problem with Hubbard's description is that she she eventually describes Marie as as sort of colorblind. Uh, yes, yeah, I did notice that as well. I mean, it's uh, um, yeah that that she treats the Africans as her equals, and I don't think that's unfair. I think I think Marie as a character does treat the Africans as her equals uh, in the way she interacts with them. Um, no, the only time she tries to sort of force her will is when the first set of workers leave, and she's just like, "Hey, I need, I need workers here. I need somebody." To right. help. But Marie also is capable and does participate in doing the work, right? Um, but her approach to treating them as equals does not recognize the inherent power imbalance in the situation. And that's that's where it, it right, gets yeah, that I mean, colorblind description. Th- right. That's yeah. the, the the problem is is that like saying the notion of colorblindness in these situations yeah. is not a is not a um what, yeah. what's the word I'm looking for? Is not a um virtuous thing in many Right, you know, right, right, right. That like right. people tend to seem to imagine that it would be. Yeah. Uh, and then one of the last things she says Describing the killing of the father-in-law character uh, as the killing as Marie killing the white part of herself, right, and then expounding on that as a returning to primitiveness, to violence, and rejecting society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, that's, I mean, hey, I would have racist. to say that um, uh, her uh, Isabel Hubbard maybe doesn't really understand the movie she was in very well, um, and which is to say, I will say that Claire need also has some questionable ideas about sort of former colonizers place in Africa. Yeah. Uh, which I think, which, you know, I guess they both have similar problems right, right, sometimes, right. but uh, yeah, it's, you kind of wonder if the, the, to a certain extent, one is fed off the other in a little, yeah. in some ways, right. That like perhaps, right. Hubbard back has to some bad least... ideas because Claire Denis also seems to have some bad ideas. Yeah. Way back to at least the Battle of Algiers, uh, our official podcast uh, uh, position on French colonization has been just leave, just go home, yeah, just like, get out. Well, and the funny thing is, right, is that like this is a yeah. movie about like this movie features the French finally leaving, and then right. of course some of the French refuse to leave. Right? Yeah. Is the is the age old story, and that's um, you know the. The problem there is that they do view this as their home, legitimately or not. Um, one can argue. Uh, you know, this is you know, as as uh, as the mayor, as uh, uh, Sharif is the character's name, but the 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 character played by Isaac de Mancole, um, says to her in the car toward the end of the movie. Uh, about her son particularly but about her too this is a country that you want to feel like you belong in but you don't belong here 
Not right. anymore, at least. <laughs> well, right. And and the thing about, you know, you, you know, you made the point like, well, you know, they see, you know, she sees it as her her place. She she we, we, there yeah. was like there's an offhanded comment I think that Claire Denis makes about whether or not like she was actually born there or not, but she certainly lived there for right, a long right, time, right? right? Um Yeah. Depending on her how closely she's there. modeled after Claire Denis herself will determine how how much right. she uh, Yeah, well true, Claire Denis she Claire moved Denis there, also you know. does not. Yeah, she she moved there when very young, but that's she what I was mean. not yeah. born in. And yeah. so like we're not clear on on that's what I was kind of getting at. And so I'm, yeah, we're not yeah. clear on exactly what that means. Like I mean in terms of like how long she's been there, but nonetheless, she does view this as her place. You know, and you always get into this thing with like, you know, decolonization, right? It's like, well, in theory, right, if she was just living there working at a random job at like, a, you know, as a waiter at a cafe or something, then like whatever, right? Like then I think it's probably – the problem is she owns yeah. an enormous coffee plantation. Right. Which right. requires – in order to be profitable in the way that, you know, capitalism demands – Requires yeah. massive exploitation to even function right, or exist, right? Right. right? right. Whether, whether or not she talks to her employees as equals, uh, they are not equals. Do, doesn't change the fact that she lives in a house, yes. Yes. and they are given what it amounts to a shed to sleep in. Right, right. A uh, lot the of night. them together. I mean, yes, yeah. there's, a, there's a reason why the DJ is talking about you're not going to get to drink cocktails on your veranda <laughs> right, while right, we right. you know sweat blood and... and Sweat yeah. for your for your profit, right? It, the the DJ is not just being hyperbolic, right? Uh, and and so you know sh- you'll notice. I mean, I don't know. I think it's the nature of the place more than anything because you know, we, I don't think Claire Denis is. Ne- it, it's hard to tell Claire Denis's intentions versus just the place she's in being a former colony. Right. Where the, how these things sort of work out? Like you'll notice that the, the 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 main sort of manor house has fucking outdoor air conditioner units everywhere. Yes, like the whole place is certainly as hell air like extremely like air conditioned inside and everything like that, right? And right. then all the workers again have what amounts to a shed, and yeah. she talks to them as equals, but that doesn't make them equals, right? As far as the system is concerned. Right. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. And that's going to always be the, 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 you know, the gist of it, right? That's always going to be the fundamental contradiction to the whole thing. And therefore, like, for all intents and purposes, Marie does not belong there. Marie needs to get the fuck out. Yeah. Right. I mean, at one, we follow this thread far enough. And. Marie also, and, and her son, and, and her husband, and her father-in-law, they would not fit in in France. They've never lived in France. No. Yeah. Uh, but that's, you know, that, down the line, that's... Uh, well, but that's a, that is way, a... That an is, easy way to point out that, that colonialism... <laughs> colonial, it, it, the alienation process also works on everybody. Yes, yeah, it alienates everyone right? uh, uh, as a part of... Sort of the fundamental yeah. alienation of capitalism. I will say this: Marie and her family don't fit in France right this minute. Right, 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 right. They can very easily assimilate to France in a way that 
other people from Cameroon, well, this this whatever yeah. country this is, cannot, right? Like, right. the the sort of... Right, and we've know, seen... They can go seen. back, and within five years, maybe they have a funny accent, right? At, right. at most, right? But yeah. they're not going to receive the massive amount of racism that, like, other people from Cameroon will receive when they show up right. in France, right? Yeah. Um. Isaac de Bencole, uh, who who plays the mayor, um, we've seen him before too, uh, in a story that deals with that racism of of colonized people who have moved into France. Uh, he is the taxi driver in the Paris sequence of Jim Jarmusch's Night on Earth. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. I I knew that he looked familiar. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah. We'll also see him in Ghost Dog eventually and probably a few other movies that I missed while I was going through his filmography. Um, but yeah, that, you know, we've given the plethora of French film, uh, the white material that the Criterion Collection has uh, has given to us over the years. Right. Um, we've, uh, we've dealt with this story from a lot of different angles. Uh, And, I mean, often it is from white directors who feel really bad about what... Right, and that's they, always they sort They recognize of the, that what France did was was wrong. Right. Uh, but also they're still French, uh, and they're still well, white Well, we French, just run into the problem generally. is, like, who should be telling stories about Cameroon? Mm. Yeah. Probably shouldn't be former colonizers, frankly. Yeah. No, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm sure if, as we explore more Claire Denis... Uh, we'll get, you know, uh, Isaac de Bencole returns to work with her. Right? I, I don't, uh, I'm not, yes, okay. You know. I want to be very, like, yes, of course, like, you know, there's that sort of, like, you, every actor has to work, but he does seem to like her. Yeah. And and again, yeah. she's probably better than 90% of French directors. <laughs> right, In right, terms right. of, like, she's she seems... Like she does care about these issues fundamentally, so yeah. that would make her better than than half of the directors you could work with, right? Um, right. This wasn't, yeah. At least we get no tales about this, like like we did with uh, Alex Cox's uh, Walker about about the production itself exploiting local labor, right? Uh, right. As yeah. it is making a as it is making a tale ostensibly condemning colonialism, right? <laughs> uh so there's that. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows how that actually worked out? But uh, most of the stories about the the uh, Cameroonian uh, cast were about the cast, not the crew, uh, and and there were stories about them feeling intimidated about working with Hubbard, um, but also about Hubbard uh, being very gracious to them. Um, right. I so will say that I do like the fact uh, that, like, I mean, we do find out from all the bonus materials, like, uh, you know. It does seem like the production used a lot of local talent and didn't do that yes. weird thing where they import talent from another place <laughs> right. into the right. place. Right. So like, right. we have we have seen such worse versions of this thing. Yes, like you and I have been exposed to some real fucked up ideas uh, over the years. So like, it does have a lot to recommend. It, it's I just can never quite get over. You know, I can never quite let go of the fact that it's like, yeah, but like, man, wouldn't it be 
neat to see a movie about, you know, decolonization from the perspective of the formerly colonized, right? Which we have seen a few. It's we don't see them as often as we should, frankly. Uh, but but then again, like I said, this is a pretty good movie, and like you, as you pointed out, Marie is 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 fundamentally still sympathetic. We can look at her and understand, at least on a kind of root level, why she would be hesitant to leave like the only place she's ever known uh, as a person. Bearing in mind, though, that like she's still also insisting that like <laughs> that the harvest has to come in, which is a fucked up thing to do in the middle of a civil war. Uh, right, or right, right. Civil War. Yeah, yeah. What the one worker says when he's leaving: "Coffee's coffee. It's not worth dying over." Basically, right. <laughs> well, and the funny uh, thing is, is her. In some ways, right. It's it, it's really interesting because we do get a juxtaposition between her and her ex husband, right? Right. Who is most certainly more of a colonizer than Marie is in the sense that, like, his family actually owns this plantation. And has owned right. this plantation for at least pretty, one generation. Very long time. Like, well, yeah. I think there's a weird offhanded comment made some point about like time. Yeah, I the, feel like it's been a while. His, it's not a single generation by any means. His father, his father was born on this land too. Right, that's is, what it is. So is we're at least on generation said, so. three here, yeah. and I'm going to guess we're on generation like five, six, seven, eight, something yeah. like that, because uh, that's how these colonial powers work, right? <laughs> right. Right. Um. So, like, you know, we, it, it is interesting that he, and you have to, like, kind of view it from a very, I think you have to view it from a very pragmatic perspective, is that, like, he is maybe more hyper-aware of just how, how unwell-liked the, the sorts of, you know, the sort of plantation owner is by the people around him, right? Like, he's aware right. that, like, we're going to get fucking killed. Like, that's what's going to happen here. Uh, and Marie seems to be sort of in denial about it. She seems like, she feels like, no, 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 I belong here, so, like, it'll be fine, almost, to a certain extent. Um, which, I mean, she's wrong, but... What are you getting at, I guess? Right. Yeah, I think... I don't want to paint Denise as, as delusioned about her relationship here. Um, I think it's very poignant that the film is uh, dedicated to... It's a, the dedication says, for the fearless rascals. And the fearless rascals is what the DJ refers to the child soldier says. Right. Um, and she has been very clear in interviews over the years uh, to point out when talking about this movie that yeah the child soldiers committed violence but they were kids right uh, right yeah and, i mean you always have to you have to be very aware of the fact that you're talking about children right like yeah we don't blame children yeah. for bad decisions right. for a reason you know right right and even even one step above that not to i, I don't want to infantilize uh entire countries um but the Civil War only exists because of the power vacuum left by colonialism. Right. I like, mean, yes. Uh, you, <laughs> yes. I mean, you do. You do understand that at at a fundamental level, like the 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 culpable party involved here is at it's, at still it's most fundamental level yeah. is France, right? And and Claire yeah. does seem to understand that 
Right, and well, she does I'm not, understand that. I'm not accusing her of being, like, blind to the situation. Yeah. It, I am more just like, man, wouldn't it be nice to see one of these kind of movies directed by a person who was part of the people who were colonized rather than... And, and the, right, I'm not right, accusing right. her of being bad. She does a yeah. pretty good job, and she picks a character who, while, while, symp- while we can sympathize with, we, we as the audience also look at her like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Right, right, like right. we as yeah. the audience, part of our sympathy is like we see somebody who's somewhat unwell in her sort of behavior, and you're like, just, just go, just get the fuck yeah. out of here. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? Um, yeah, and I think that does make for a powerful choice to to put right. us as the audience in a position of also being in opposition with Marie and her decision making. Yeah, and and Denis and Bancole both both talk about inspiration for the boxer coming from Thomas Sankara. Right. Uh, um, in Burkina Faso, um, who was a revolutionary who, uh, uh, did a coup, came to power, uh, did a lot of anti-colonialism, refused, refused help from the international money fund, among other international organizations. Always a good decision if you can do it. Post-colonial colonialism. Um, I mean, uh, it is just straight up. We, we, we you know, yeah, the International right. Money Fund is just neocolonialism. It just, it's right, just what right. it is. So we yeah. found a way to do colonialism without actually stationing troops here. Look at us. Aren't we right. smart? Yes. Um, you know, and he, uh, he did a lot of good in the four years he was in power before he was assassinated uh, for, uh, for doing that good. Denis has a mind toward anti-colonialism and toward um, sympathy for the youngest victims of right. of all of this, right? Uh, and you know, I don't. This film can lend itself to just being a almost ethereal tale. You know, it's it's told out of chronological order. Uh, it is. Uh, sort of uh a descent into madness for a couple of the white characters um but it's also uh, i think i think marie as metaphor and marie's family total as metaphor you know someone who feels like this land belongs to them and that they belong to this land um and Hubbard says, you know, that she interprets Marie as, as more viewing that she belongs to this land more than even the land belongs to her. Um, and she is alienated from the land. The land doesn't technically belong to her. It is promised to her. Right. It, she might view it as her as her coming inheritance, but it is not her land yet. Um, and then her son, who is... <laughs> just the absolute son of colonization right 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 yeah i mean he spends yeah spends the first half of the movie in bed uh right refusing to do anything or lift a finger uh and the other workers say when he does deign to come out he's bad at it purposefully uh you know he doesn't even care he'll pick a bean before it's ripe um and then has has a traumatic experience at the hands of two child soldiers 
and immediately reinvents himself, one, with the iconography of skinhead white supremacists, right. racist skins, uh, and two, um, immediately tries to position himself as the new leader of the child soldiers. Right, yeah, he, like, he sort of fas- tries to fashion himself into like the leader, like a new sort of like... <laughs> Or at least a member of their party, and in, in yeah. it's it, it is fascinating. He is a fascinating character because he is is so sort of emotionally fragile. I mean, he's obviously yeah. like scared after what happens, but like he sort of immediately breaks down and is like, "Well, I right. mean, I I don't know. I guess I just better join this this yeah crew he- of people." He goes from really traditional middle class ennui, uh, uh, nouveau riche ennui, right? Um, to, to not only do I belong here, but I belong, I belong on the side. I'm going to help set these people free, right? Like, he, <laughs> yeah, I would, I would call it a sort of white savior complex if I thought that he was doing anything that mentally complicated. Yeah, I don't think he is either. Exactly. I don't so think that's he's why not meant I, to be. That's why I don't. Right. Yeah, exactly. So it's yeah. it's sort of. Something even more sort of base and fundamental than that. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's. Yeah, and he's just so. Well, I mean, he's just meant to be kind know. of pitiful, right? Like, he's pitiful right. in he a is... way that is different from Marie. He is right. pitiful, but he is not pitiful in the same way that she is pitiful in the sense that he. Uh, just sort of doesn't have i mean he is what they describe about him what people say about right. him right he's completely directionless he's yeah and like he's he comes into conflict with colonialism essentially in a way where he didn't ever seem to even recognize even the most like base parts of it that even marie seems to have recognized yeah, yeah. the weird the weird thing about that character is he if he exists as as a metaphor for some aspect of colonialism, uh, his his aspect is almost unrelated to Marie in that way, right? Um, because he's almost more like uh, a George W. Bush in this metaphor than anything else. He's right, he's, right. He's the fail son who uh, uh, suddenly finds himself with some amount of power and and is just under the guise of liberation, making things worse. Right. Um, yeah. And you know the the dedication of this movie to the child soldiers, and one of the one of the final images of this movie being that the actual government of this country uh, does not care about these kids, right? Right. To the point of murdering them in their sleep. Right. I mean, um, that's. I I would say that that like that was the sort of most, and I I understand that that is very true to life. It's not really like. Yeah. it's just that like that's the sort of most shocking part when you really start to like kind of think about it because you know you're like well these these kids are not like fundamentally beyond like rehabilitation or something like that they're like like 12 or 13 years old and you're just like well I mean we have no choice but to just murder them that's nothing else can be done yeah, well, I don't know. I don't even know that it's necessarily because we don't get any justification from them. Certainly, right? Uh, no, no. I but think, I mean, if I you're going to murder, is, a, if you, I, I don't know. It, it's uh, I norms, can't. 
the norms have so collapsed and the violence has become so great that uh, for whatever reason, and this being an unnamed African country, we can't explore if there is uh, uh, you know, something like what happened in Rwanda, where it was a, a uh, you know, two different ethnic groups really uh, fighting one another or, or something of that sort where one has political power and another doesn't. Um, it could be something like that. But ultimately, right. whatever it is, is that the people who have power are committing a genocide on the people who do not. Right, and, right, right. And they have uh they have been dehumanized through the violence of the situation too to the point where uh they are committing these acts of violence. And and it is you know, they because of the way this film is edited, we see uh we see Andre's father, um the 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 father-in-law, I can't I don't even remember if he has a character name in the film. He I don't might. think he does. I don't remember either. Uh, um, but uh, but her father-in-law. Um, we see him allow them to come onto the property without objection and without warning uh, others. We see Manuel be murdered by them. Um, there's a cut scene where those soldiers harass Maria. On her on her own motorbike, like driving circles around her and sort of just yelling at her when she arrives, right uh, at at them back at the plantation, um, and they've killed Andre, uh, which I think I think might be cut from the final film too. I, I don't it is know cut that we because see I didn't like film. as far yeah. as the like final cut of the film, like we don't know what happens yeah. to Andre. We just sort of right, assume yeah. he leaves or escapes. Yeah, in the in the yeah in the deleted scene, she also finds Andre's body. Um, and that is that is one of the things that further breaks her, um, right. and she finds she in in the version we see, um, she find and she of course finds uh, Manuel's body as well. Right, and and I think you know to a certain extent, I you you have to imagine that like some of that's a um, a choice to be like okay, well maybe we don't need. Manuel is enough to break her, right? Like we don't need you kind of don't need to gild the lily as far as like why she's having a breakdown to an extent her murder of the father-in-law i think huppert is sort of right you know i don't i don't like the fact that she phrases it as a rejection of her white <laughs> the parts of her that are white uh but it is it is sort of manuel's reaction to all of this moving back up the generation right uh, i kind Man of right go ahead manuel sorry. has re manuel has rejected the idea that France belongs here, right? Uh, and well, I mean, yeah, I, I think again, I don't, I, I'm hesitant to give Manuel very much credit. Like, I mean, right, right, right. Yes, Manuel, Manuel is has, just has like, clearly broken. Right, right. Manuel um, is. I, I think, I think him rejecting the like the presence of France is is almost an overstatement yeah. of sort of his right, right mental right. state. What I um, what I will say though is, I, I kind of also understood her killing the father as a sort of like. It's a con it is a sort of condemnation of the idea that like he's the reason why like as far as like in her mind he's the reason why we're here. You know, yeah, he's the reason this is happening. In a lot yeah. of ways, it's very easy I think for her to understand it that way. Combined with the fact that there is that deleted, you know, we do understand even without her even without the deleted scene, he's just wandering around this place where her where his uh 
son or grandson was murdered, right? Right. And does not seem to be even remotely concerned about it, right? And, like, you kind of understand that Maria understand. You kind of, like, get the impression, in my mind at least, that Maria has come to recognize on a kind of core level. They're like, oh, he's, like, the way he treats us is not entirely without its sort of, like, capitalist alienation as well, right? This sort of, like... Oh, you know, he's sort of just using us too, right? Right. And this is also after she's discovered that the money is gone. Right. The money's uh, gone. And, and has to be putting together <laughs> that puzzle uh, too. Right. Um, I don't think the the mayor has necessarily outright told her that he essentially owns the farm at this point. Um, but he does because right. Andre has sold it to him uh, for his own un, unspoken debts. It is also just the story of a bourgeois family that has had generations of rot in it already, right? Right. Well, and that's the thing is, like, uh, we've kind of, like, when you sort of transport the sorts of films about these kinds of families that we've seen and are common, it's really easy to understand, like, oh, her killing her father-in-law just feels as sort of a matter of course in these kinds of stories, right? I Like, not to, not to like, downplay the the efficacy or anything of that in the film it's sort of like well yeah of course eventually that's the way this all sort of works out right uh like i said that sounds blase but like it's like well yeah but he's also sort of like outlived his he is sort of you know exploitative of his own family he's clearly like in many ways the reason things are so bad for them specifically he is introduced in the air-conditioned house in the bathtub. It's the first right, time we right, see him. Yeah. He is he is introduced in a place of comfort. Right. Uh, we never see him interacting with with the with the with the plantation at all. And any like she runs everything, but like he's still the boss. You just get that in, like you can see where that there's that sort of like commonplace sort of these sort of bourgeoisie families, like how they always sort of work out this way. Her explanation to the second, second group of workers, when one of them asks if, if she's the boss and she really facilitates on it. It's like, well, yeah, I run things, but, uh, and then he's like, well, then you're not the boss. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, like, uh, that's not the, you're not, you're not actually the boss. Sorry. That's not how things work in this world. And 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 really, when you come down to it, that that is a fascinating little moment in the movie because he understands the nature of the world he lives in better than Maria does, in the yeah. sense that Maria is accustomed to the idea that because of sort of the way she's been positioned in her life, they're like, well, of course she's like things are secure and she's on top, and like because that that's. She's a white plantation, if not owner, part of the sort of ruling elite, right? And then yes. when she's put in, whereas the people around her can more clearly see her actual place in, in this world, which is hyper insecure, right? It has essentially has no place. Right, right. She's and- not legally entitled to anything at all anyway, even despite the fact that like, A, this yeah. land shouldn't belong to her, the, her father-in-law either, but- Beyond that, she's not even legally entitled under the system that she is a part of, right? Right. 
Yeah. And, you know, there there are certainly worse ways Marie could be portrayed in that regard. Like, she's not, she's not uh, the Confederate soldier who doesn't actually own any slaves but still benefits from... No, yeah, I don't uh, think it's the same yeah. kind of story. But, like, she's... Yeah. It's... It's just telling that, like, but it is. that the people around her that she encounters, at least some of them, recognize that, like, oh, she's kind of a dupe in this whole thing. Like, she's right. She's right. fighting for for dust that doesn't like that. She's not going to yeah. get in the first place. Like, right. And that's that's true of every colonialist uh, racist system is that there is an army of dupes who. Yeah, well, of course. Uh, yeah. I mean, who who think they're going to inherit the reins to this at some point. Uh, well, right. But never and, actually will. Right. Exactly. There, and you know, it, it, it kind of even works even sort of beyond that in the sense that like, there's there's an entire fleet of people who benefit materially from this system, but this mm-hmm. system doesn't protect in the way it protects the people who actually run the system. Right. I mean, they are they are they they fundamentally benefit from the system because the system provides them things that it doesn't provide to the people who are most heavily exploited in the system. But like the system needs layers to work. Right. And you're not at the top of this layer structure, like not even close. Uh, so yeah, it's, 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 it's just interesting that like all the people around her seem to be more aware of her, her yeah. situation than she is. Yeah. Even the workers she's underpaying. Well, and like, and the thing is, is like not to like oversimplify the matter, the workers she's underpaying are so, like, they've always been exploited and underpaid, so they, like, know exactly what's going on, like, right. on a much more core level, right? It's like, whereas she, up until the Civil War stuff started, probably was pretty comfortable despite the fact that she's just a dupe, right? Like, the yeah. system did provide her with comfort and and benefits. It's just not designed to actually protect her although it kind of was right because it was going to extract her from this before things got to the point where she would be killed right like when the system they the 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 french army was going to take her out of there right like so even in that regard she's a dupe but it it was going to at least sort of provide cover it just you know she doesn't want it, right? She's she had yeah. she's so fully duped that she doesn't understand that, like, yeah. And they and they know she's not going to take it, so they just throw a bunch of survival kits at her. Yeah, it's eat. really interesting, uh, right? Really, yeah, but it's um, such a and, funny thing to do because, like, the survival kits, like, starving to death is probably not the worst thing that's going to end right, up happening right, here. Right. Yeah, and and honestly, probably not one of the things that's in the cards for her. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, at least not in the foreseeable future at that moment. Um, and you know, as the as the guy who who tells her it's just coffee, also points out the helicopter guys are here for you, not for us. Yeah, not, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, maybe you should listen to them. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, yeah, again, I don't know. so many people around her, the people who have had to be sort of closer to the to the sort of millstone of this system for much longer are so much more aware of how it actually works than she is. Um, right. And we get an exploration of some people's reasons for fleeing and some people's reasons for staying. Like the guy whose daughter is so sick she can't move, but also as a, is at a point in the sickness where she's he's 
there to wait for her to die basically is, right is how he explains it well right uh, and, and then, also sadly, and also her response to it of of what well, did you take her to the clinic yeah <laughs> well yeah yeah she's she is at her core still some just fundamentally unaware of certain things right yeah right yeah there are moments like that that are are meant to to tell us how out of touch maria is right or at least how that, willful what maybe perhaps like how willfully blind right. she is but yeah yeah uh and honestly you know there's a mirror there too it's like she hasn't she hasn't done anything to get help for her son uh who is right, obviously right, right. in this weird fit of depression right uh you know i don't know how old that guy's supposed to be uh but he doesn't look under 20 so no yeah you get the impression you you do get the impression of like that 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 classic sort of uh bourgeoisie fail fail son right is the yeah is the vibe um yeah you know she she's just allowed him to continue on like this for an extended period of time to the point where like everybody around her is aware of like how this all shakes out for for him yeah i'm interested in the structure of this movie uh in that it's it's sort of told in flashback, but also that's kind of unfair to it because it's because they're flashbacks of things she couldn't possibly have seen or known. Yeah, it's sort well, of omnipotent in that way. Well, even the omnipotent flashbackingness of it starts before we meet her. Like our opening scene, like Vagabond, or even more recently, The Times of Harvey Milk. Our opening scene is the boxer dead, right? Uh, and we come in to uh to the soldiers finding his dead body in her house. And then we jump back and tell the story that brings us back to that point. And we never see that point again in the final, right in the finale of the film. Uh, But we're coming back to the events that are that point. Um, And then we, you know, have her on the bus, which also seems to be a flashback uh, or establish a flashback that that is sort of concurrently happening kind of to right i mean to, we do have the to his body being like discovered day and night which makes that like yeah. all a little bit yeah funkified yeah. to a certain extent right but it is i think the bus trip we're introduced to her with is meant to be the same bus trip she is taking at the end of the movie before she finds someone to take her back to the plantation right i think right. that yes yeah. so so that's a flashback already within a flashback to the point where talking about it as layered flashbacks is is less helpful than just talking about it as a non-chronological film. Yeah, I, I th- yes, yeah. you are correct about that. The, the, the way it is talked about is is sort of at its root kind of confusing. And, and even yeah. then, I would say that, like, even at sort of even a more fundamental level, I found the 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 chronology of the movie confusing like i yeah i understand what the goal was and i got the gist of it sort of at, at its core but i still found myself constantly saying to myself like so wait did this thing happen before or after this other thing right. because like it's not the kind of movie where you can just like do the sort of blanket statement where like well it doesn't matter well it, right. it right. really does the story is the story is chronological it's yeah. just not told there are, chronologically. 
Right. There are there are events that have cause and effect, and, right. and a and a uh, time and place relationship. Everything that happens with Manuel uh, is is told chronologically, basically. Right. I believe. Um. And you know, it's just yeah, it's it's nested in a way where you know it's not confusing. It's not like. Uh, Maybe it's not, not like for you. Trying to trick us. <laughs> oh well, yeah. No, oh yeah. yeah, that's what I mean, though. You know, the movies, but but it's still unclear the relationship of time in these events and how how many days have passed in the narrative that we're watching, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, I definitely um, got like you know they say like somebody says I think I think it's Hubbard, but like it's it's like forty eight hours, which I I got that basically like you know i was like all right well this i could tell you that pretty much what i really ran into was the fact that like you know i especially when we most of the shots take place during the day and then we get only a very small number of night shots and sort of positioning them in time and place versus the bus trip is confusing because there are things that that do like her going and killing her father-in-law for me, mentally, I want it to take place before the bus trip. Right. But I don't think it actually does take place before the bus trip. Yeah. It makes more sense to me on like a, on a purely like storytelling sort of gratification from the story level. I want it to take place before the bus trip because it makes the, the bus trip feel even more weighty and dramatic. Like that, Like all of this stuff, and this is like... Her eventually just giving up and le- you know kind of leaving, but then we know that yeah. she like even sees her, her um, sees the plantation in while on the bus trip and wants to stop there, and so you're yeah. you're able to come to the conclusion that like well this is uh, happens before that stuff happens, but like right. it's really like it's like come on it would actually be a lot better if this bus trip was just now that literally nothing's left now she's on a bus to leave right right that's that to me that's yeah. more gratifying of a storytelling design and that's just not what's happening and it makes me kind of sad right yeah um instead what we get and and again i want to push back against hubbard's framing that maria has killed the white portion of herself um but it is it is true in narrative that the killing of her father-in-law is is the the loss the last straw of her humanity being stripped away, and her humanity being stripped away by colonialism and capitalism. We need to, you know, that's right. Those are those are the forces that are that are acting on her much more than uh, any local violence. Um, and uh, you know she. She commits that uh, killing, uh, but that's not the final. You know, that's the final time we see her, but it's not the final image of the film, right? Instead, we go to uh, the younger rebel who has survived the onslaught at the at the plantation, right? And has and has the boxer's hat and is leaving, and it is it is well, he, he finds it that. right, like right. he finds right. it in the place where he was. Like laying around, like remember, like yes. it's it's the same spot, right? It's the same tree right. where he stopped. And right, took a right, break. right. 
yeah. mean, and, and and in that way, right? I think to me, in many ways, that's the most successful part of the entire movie, in the mm-hmm. sense that, like, at the very last minute, Claire Denise makes it clear who this movie is really supposed to be about, right? Like, in right. a lot of ways, right? Like, you know, we're we're using uh, Maria as a sort of framing figure to help get through the story, but like when when push comes to shove, this movie is more about the sort of this the the rebels and the civil war than it is about Maria, right? right. And like, could it been could it have been more in some ways more successful by just actually centering them? Maybe. Um, but like either way, I do appreciate that she ends the movie the way she ends it. Right? We don't flash back to Maria on the bus again. Right. Maria is done. Yes. And I Maria think that's really is done. Important. And the country is moving forward. Uh, and it has, yeah, it has is... left Maria behind. The, right. the country is, is no longer uh, needs her or wants yeah. her. And, uh, you know, as, as Che says before he's killed, uh, the boxer is dead, but the boxer's ideas have lived on. Uh, right. Um. And there's the hope, the hope in that, the hope that whatever happens now, it is in the hands of the young people of this country is maybe a little too much <laughs> to, to is, is it too on the nose, too liberal in a way. Yeah. <laughs> but too, but, uh, well, yeah, but I mean yeah. like, but she's like, you get the impression that to a certain extent, Claire Denis has that as a sort of core yeah well maybe i mean well what i mean is like when you listen to her talk you kind of she at least appreciates revolutionaries right she appreciates Uh, it but i think she also has a sort of you know i i don't know how to explain it but it it tracks that like this sort of idea of like well it's in the hands of the young people now is, is a sort of yeah it has its own sort of like weird sort of liberal thing about it that is uh you know, I don't know how to. I don't know how to explain where, I, where I'm going with this. It just does always. Ha- it's like the thing people say. Yeah, I mean, it's the thing people say when they're not going to do any. When they're not going to do anything to help. <laughs> I guess that's. You right. know what I mean? Like, not to say yeah. that like making a movie about this does not is it's not not doing anything, right? Like, I mean, it is a is a thing. People are going to see this movie, right? Um. Yeah. Um, did you did you watch the bonus? Uh, I watched all the bonus except for the deleted scenes because I, I make I it see, a habit yeah. to not watch deleted scenes. I don't do it. I don't it like was, it. I don't want to do it. There was, there was only one deleted scene, and, and I've already described it. It's her a little bit more arriving at the house and finding Andre's body and, and being taunted by the by the soldiers um, who have who have in in a way perhaps a bit uh, a bit reminiscent of the final sequence of Senso have uh, uh, decided to celebrate their, their victory in this battle uh, by drunken, drunken carousing around the right plantation. Um, but uh, yeah, the, uh, the additional material dedicated to the, uh, the Cameroonian film festival that she comes back. Oh to, yeah. Yeah. I, I watched that. Yes, yes, yes. Um, um was was kind of interesting uh just 
mostly because it's shot as a diary, right? She's shooting it. She's providing narration and, mm-hmm. and essentially doing it day to day, right? Uh, so we're discovering each each new thing with her. Uh, and just her disappointment that <laughs> that this film festival completely fails. <laughs> right. That when they do finally play the movie, that you can't hear any of the dialogue. And it is an interesting look at uh, an artistic infrastructure of Cameroon that well, wants to be more than it is capable of being currently. Well, so well, that's still, what's, that's still what's trying it. to build. Right. That's right. what. There's a lot of really interesting things there, right? Because uh, I I did find that bit of it quite uh, quite interesting because, like, you know, they're going to the they're having this film festival and the places they're having this film festival, as far as I could tell, right? And I'm a bit I was a bit confused slightly just because her her narration is not always the clearest, right? Um, is that like it's being is it being held in the new gymnasium? Or is it in a conference center next near the new gymnasium? I think I think the films are actually being played in the new gymnasium, right? Whereas and, most of most of what we see of her in like the green room areas or 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 prepping are in the conference center, right? With the with the thick shag carpet. Well, and, um, and there's a really interesting thing about that, which is like you like what i found really fascinating she offhandedly mentions like well this new gymnasium built by the chinese and uh, the yes. reason i find that fascinating is because like the only people you know the only outside force investing in africa at this point in any sort of meaningful way are the chinese right and right you know it, it's just an interesting thing that like this thing is basically only happening because that gymnasium got built by a group that is not is notably not the French. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, you know, the the post-colonial African uh relationship with with China and and you know, a generation ago or more with the Soviet Union is uh more about just the reje- rejection of the West. Um, well, right, and and well, yeah, and also has the to relationship, do with, like you know, the relationship is perhaps not less wanting exploitive. to use the international money fund because right. if you know, yeah. God, no, why? Everybody at this point knows if you you only use right. the international money fund if you right. as a, as a can, point of last hope, right? Yeah, they can negotiate with China to be uh, for the relationship to be less less exploitative, right? But exactly. I won't I won't make any claims that China is not exploiting this relationship oh you know it is i mean it's all part of the 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 belt and road initiative but like right the belt and road initiative does have as as a core tenant like my my understanding is generally better interest rates and also a lot more debt forgiveness as a fundamental core right right right. Uh, yeah a lot more debts get forgiven than seem to get like notably the imf which has as far as i understand it never forgiven a debt ever in history no No. even once and has decided to inherit the uh, the debts of of yeah places that, that didn't ex- that, like, <laughs> that existed before the IMF existed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I love the IMF. Just, you do not. You do not. No, you do not. Audience, it's worth noting. I'm being sarcastic. You, in fact, do not have to yeah. love the di- the IMF. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's just I just think it's interesting because is a part of the decolonialization movement or like kind of actions by the West. A big thing was, Oh, well no money is invested in or in Africa at all. 
anymore, right. even a little bit, right? The the neocolonialism system entirely relies on private enterprise to quote unquote invest in these places. There's no like direct action to invest anything in these places because it's like, well, we'll just let capital handle it basically, right? Uh and that that I I just I don't know. It's just it's just very like for example there are no movie theaters in Cameroon at that time. Yeah. Because presumably the only thing that was making the movie theaters be there was direct intervention on the part of uh, of the French like sort of government, right? Yeah. Encouraging yeah. certain things that they thought were necessary to this to the functioning of this colonial power to exist. Um and without that well, there's what you mean, like why would well, you know, why would we run a movie theater here? I can I can imagine that the process is more like uh, the French pulled out, and with that, the French pull out uh, the artistic infrastructure. Of well, the right. Too. What, what I what I mean is and, this, and um, the movie theaters die because there's not enough yet of a Cameroonian film industry. To support the movie theaters right, but themselves. Right, when you right. when you think about it, like okay, so but like when you follow the sort of the like the logical process that happens, like when like because you, we see this happens in a lot of places, okay, is that like yeah. the French government is to a certain extent prior to decolonization subsidizing the existence of the things that the colonialists want to have as a part of their colonial town. You know what I mean? We saw the British do mm-hmm. it. We saw. The, right. You see, the Americans do it like you, you, you kind of colonialism is sort of like a pseudo army base, right? Like the the capitalists are not going to naturally build this thing here because there's no pro, like major profit incentive to do that thing, right? Right. And and especially when you consider the amount of money you have to pay to get access to films to right. to show, well, local Cameroonian. Um, Groups are not just are not going to be able to are probably just not going to be able to get that money together, and there's better things to spend money on, right? Now, this all changes with the invention of like the truly pirated internet, right? Yeah. So, like, I'm guessing that like you know the the sort of the visual f- art infrastructure in uh, Cameroon has mostly become more sort of decentralized, and, de- and the uh, I'm sure people are watching projected movies somewhere in Cameroon in 2010 they're just not doing it in movie theaters where you pay people to watch movies that are displayed through like cellulose reels you know what i mean you know what i'm saying the the idea of like hey people like to get together and watch movies did not go away it's just not centralized in the way that she understands it would function because she's thinking about it in terms of like well we show movies in movie theaters right 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 and her yeah uh she she tells us enough about this festival for us to know that the government is investing in well the in Cameroonian creating. government is yes yeah 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 the Cameroonian government I mean yeah they they are trying to build yeah they I uh, mean they want to, to allow they, you know, for they, an they, they want here. to have a homegrown artistic yeah like you know because lots of places do that right like that's always sort of like one of the things you do right you eventually try to build some sort of internal artistic, you know, 
I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but you, you try to build it. The thing about that, right, is that that's always going to be sort of, you're never going to make enough movies to warrant having a movie theater for that. You know what I mean? Because you need, like, you have to make a lot of movies yeah, well, internally event, um, to, to warrant having a movie theater to show Cameroonian movies, right? The problem is is that you also then have to get a bunch of other movies from other places, right? And that's that's right. sort of, sort of its chal- a challenge in and of itself. When you really get down to it, right, if you're going to make a movie, right, you need it to be marketable, right? You need to be able to sell right. it to people. And there's a humongous barrier for anyone who's outside of any place that has an infrastructure for that to getting into the movie industry, right? Like, yeah, people have right. video cameras, but, like, you need you eventually need to get paid. Uh, right. And the problem with needing to get paid is you need somebody to release a movie, and that requires actually a ton of infrastructure that, that is hard to build, right? It's clear that the right. people in Cameroon are trying to build, are trying to build that, right? In, in When we run into this 2010, uh, it's just that, like that's a really big challenge. Right, and the flip side of that, of course, being that uh, American cultural hegemony uh, also actively destroys. works against you being able to set that up. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. The only ones that exist are essentially ones that a- they, they accidentally let happen before it yeah. was like before they knew better or whatever. Essentially, right? When you kind of look at where do movies get like produced and released from, it's sort of like places that, for one reason or another, America couldn't get to in time to stop them from doing it. Right. I'm always surprised to see Christopher Lambert in a dramatic role. Yeah. I mean, not that not that uh, Highlander wasn't a dramatic movie. But uh, <laughs> different, but, different kind of drama, really. But it, you think about but it, it. associated him in, in my mind. He is so deeply associated. He with is Highlander. just the, he's just Highlander yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah. That, like you know, he was in Hell uh, Caesar, uh, the Coen Brothers film, right? Uh, you know, which had a huge cast anyway. But um, but I was surprised to see him in there, and because I, you know, I, I, I like how you've single movie typecast him. Essentially, you're like. No, this man. Yeah. This man is the Highlander. Well, hell, I just think that that's I mean, a very funny thing to me. Highlander and Raiden in the first, <laughs> the first Mortal Kombat. Right. Movie. Okay. So but I'm glad you've got some diversity in your in your Christopher yeah. Lambert like oeuvre there. Like you're like, well, I mean, yeah. he's he's one of two theme thematic, like theoretically immortal beings. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So really, right. what surprises you is the idea that Christopher Lambert can die. <laughs> right. That's what really that's got to you. You're like, that's... why isn't he just shooting him with the ma- with his magic powers? I don't. Yeah. Why does <laughs> Why does the Christopher Lambert not simply murder these people? <laughs> he didn't. He didn't even get his head cut off. How is he? How is he... <laughs> He's not really dead. That's impossible. I mean, listen. Also, Highlander as a metaphor for colonialism is a, right. Right. Is a, is a thing we could get into if we ever. We. Wanted I to. mean, if you ever want to make. If you ever want to make a list that is, uh, like, things that are, like, movies that are about colonialism that, like, don't on their surface necessarily strike you as something that ought to be about colonialism, there's a lot of them. I mean, I bet, I bet I if mean, we tried, it's we a could lot of movies, just, man. We could probably just so, focus it on Christopher Lambert, too. He played Tarzan once. Oh, uh, my God. Yeah, yeah unfortunately, <laughs> that Tarzan, unfortunately, comes from the wrong end of that one. I did not... I. <laughs> I would rather not talk about Tarzan ever on this podcast <laughs> if we can fine. avoid That's it. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't think there's going to be a Christopher Lambert accidentally exposes <laughs> colonialism list. Uh, no, I feel, like, I feel like we would be 
really <laughs> struggling after a few minutes on that one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Although I have seen every so often, much like with the postcards, you get a bug in your ass about like making a certain kind of list work. And I've seen you <laughs> bend over backwards to make those lists happen. So right. I'm not going to say fair. it's impossible if suddenly like, you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, no, we're fucking doing this, god damn it. <laughs> if if uh, the Criterion Channel's AI list disappears before the end of the month, we may have to fall back on the Christopher Lambert. I mean, uh, the AI, like, I really hope the AI list makes it long enough for us to be able to do it. Yeah. That list is so good. But like... The problem is, is yeah. the number, the fifth movies thing is also just so fucking good. <laughs> it was so fun. Yeah, I can't wait for it. But yeah, Christopher Lambert's performance in this is is it's good. Really, no, I mean, like, I will say that across the board, performances in this movie are oh yeah, excellent. everybody's everybody's like, great. Nobody's this. fucking this one up. Even yeah. <laughs> despite her, her 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 somewhat questionable understanding of her own character. Uh, you know, Isabel Hubbard does an excellent job. She's, her yeah. performance is very good. I mean, um, she is one of the one of the best actresses working. Today, I understand so. that, but, but like, you know, you, when yeah. you then listen to her talk about a thing and right, be like, right. mm, I'm no, not sure 100%. you understood your character very well. Uh, yeah. It's somewhat. It's somewhat like, ooh, this could have gone not well. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, everybody really is great. I really. Um, I really love the sequence of the the two child soldiers just hanging out in their house without anyone noticing them. Yeah, <laughs> for a little bit. Um, honestly, know, well, well, you know what? Around so, in the shower. Honestly speaking, a lot of the scene, like I, I'm very impressed by how good the acting from the from the you know the people playing the child soldiers is. Yeah, like across the board, and and it's really I think. I, I kind of like poked fun at Claire Denis a little bit about some of her choice things she did, but like she really got a really good grasp of the idea of like what would it be like for these kids to suddenly have access to this world. Yeah, even even though it's sort of the empty, sh- it's sort of the shell of this world, and like the things they do. Right, you put a bunch of twelve and thirteen year olds into this environment that is like. By by like it's sort of hyper luxurious. It's it's full of amenities that they they wouldn't normally be able to just like readily have access to, and right. like I you know it she kind of on a core level understands kids in in a very interesting way, right? Like even whether or not they're child soldiers or not, like they kind of they all go fucking hog wild, right? Like they they and, right, and right. but even before they do that, right? They as you pointed out, they sort of just wander around, kind of poking around right um it's really interesting i i really am fascinated by her portrayal of those kids um yeah it's very good yeah and and them them leaving the school was also really interesting yeah yeah yeah. just yeah just a lot of a lot of core understanding about uh like how excited a poverty kid would... and the promise of power, the promise right. of absolutely, of, yeah. I mean, not even necessarily power so much as something new to have hope in, right? right? Like you combine that, like sort of that new hope with with a with a, a sort of strong helping of um, just like look at all these things that not I now have a even like the sort of it is kind of power though, right? Like it is power, right? It's yeah. like. 
I can access this stuff, right? I don't have to, like, I don't even have to ask permission. I can just do it. It's an extremely compelling and powerful thing to experience, right? For and especially if you're a, a a child, right? Like you're you're suddenly like I can just wander around this place and I can do anything I want here, and nobody can tell me no. Um, combined with the fact that like this place is full of luxuries that like I don't get to interact with on a regular basis in my in my day to day life, right? And that that's a very intoxicating blend, right? And it's not it doesn't apply only to the children, right? Like it applies to the like the older people, like the older like like you know twenties and thirty something year olds that we encounter right. running things like checkpoints and stuff. The ability for somebody who has probably for most of their lives not been able to tr- exercise tr- like legitimate power, at least certainly not over a very large sphere, to suddenly exert a lot of power is extremely intoxicating, right? Like I can just stop this truck and tell them what to do is a very right. powerful and intoxicating experience, right? Yeah, uh, and, and and even more so for children because children, you know, as you know, are children and are going to be more, right. even more readily overcome by a sudden access to to those things, and more readily ex- acknowledge that uh, just having a gun is the access to that power too. Right. right? Yeah. In I mean, yeah. Well, and the, and well, and Clarence is very, very well aware of that, right? Like the way the yeah. entire movie, like the way guns are used in this movie is, is really telling and powerful, right? Like when they're just slapping across the countryside, the gun's just a sort of annoying thing strapped to their back. That is just a burden to carry around. Right. But suddenly it, it, it grants a huge amount of power in, certain situations right and it's really notable that we don't really see guns fired basically at all in the movie right like we don't see them used as guns in the sort of like shooting sense we see them used as tools for expressing power right like who has power in this situation and how much power do they have uh is kind of an important thing that this movie is pointing out and you'll notice that like when we get to the government right they have a sort of standard uniform type of gun and they're all carrying it around. They all have a sort of a uniform amount of power that is exerted as a sort of military, right? Whereas sort of our rebels all have sort of a random mishmash of things and, and you know, it conveys like how much and what kind of power they have. There is one point where we see someone shot on screen and it's when the kids stop uh, Maria when she's driving the workers back into town uh, when, when she notices that they have a bunch of her stuff uh they uh the one the one worker in the passenger seat protests that they're just poor workers they don't have anything worth stealing and and one of the kids shoots him that is true uh, you're right outright. i will say but though yes, that that anyway. is an outlier in <laughs> a movie where where in guns are almost only ever fired into the air otherwise yes. and even then very rarely this is a movie where guns are primarily right. tools of indicating power and you know, of exercising power, right? And right. it's worth noting the thing, the point I was trying to make before you got disconnected six times in a row is that yes. it's worth noting that it, it also, the guns are used to explain how much and what kind of power the people have. Uh, the yes. army has a standardized AK-47. They all carry the same thing, and it's very uniform. Right. They have a uniform, high, like a high level of power that is uniform throughout. And sort of yes. indicates a sort of a power also through like 
coercion, like cohesion and uniformity. Whereas on the other hand, the rebels have random guns that are right. sort of a mismatch that allow them to exert power in situations against people who do not have guns. But we see no direct confrontations between really between the rebels and the army because there is is a clear and understandable power mismatch there. Like they don't right. one has significantly more than the other. Uh, so really the power the rebels have is only used and exerted against people who are not armed, uh, generally speaking. Yes. Um, it's just an interesting thing that happens. The, the, the movie is trying to express a lot of things about what those guns mean and to sort of explain people's places in the world. Because the, the, the rebels are carrying around a real mishmash. Like they have a single like grenade launcher even. Right, um, right, they do. Yeah, one person's carrying a grenade launcher. But like... Um, and, but I have like to the, hope they don't have any rounds for that. But but like, <laughs> like there's just this sort of thing that is happening where like they are carrying around a bunch of really random ass shit that is mostly a burden most of the time. Right. Like 90% of the time, the guns are more hassle than they're worth when they're just walking around. They're bumping into shit. They're wielded by children who are, as one might imagine, not necessarily the most uh, reliable users of guns. Right, uh, but they do allow the exertion of power in a way that is not available to these people, the people that like they're that are holding them on a normal basis. Uh, so I think it's very, yeah. it's all very. I I I think it's the guns and their use in the movie is very good. Claire Denis has done a very good job, and they are very important to understanding. Yeah, the story. Well, it's given given the way power structures have often often worked in post colonial Africa. Um. The government here is probably not good, especially no. you know considering considering that Sankara is our uh, is our inspiration for the boxer. The government is not good, right? Um, and the Sankara has been gut shot by someone, but we don't, or rather, the boxer has been gut shot by someone, but we don't know who, right? At the beginning of the narrative, um, and he is he is injured the entire time we see him, right? Right, he is on the run with this with, while he's bleeding out, um. But the only time we ever see the government soldiers fight anyone, it's slaughter. It's not. It's not right. Exactly fighting. that. Yeah. Exactly. They. The. They are. And it's not. It is not slaughter in that they are so outgunned that that, that there's literally no fighting back. They kill children in their sleep, and they uh, they drag the DJ out. Um, to take over his 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 thing, yeah. They, you know, it's literally there's no pushback whatsoever. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's really, <laughs> if anything, there might be an argument that the only reason the government doesn't have power already in this area is that they're just understaffed or something. In, in an effort to sort of show the sort of mismatch there and the fact that Claire didn't want you to understand that this rebellion is probably a failure, right? But right. probably that this rebellion, I think you're also supposed to understand that this rebellion is a is a single element of what probably a much bigger thing, right? This town is experiencing it through the boxer and things like that. But right. most certainly the rebellion is bigger than just the boxer and these like 20 kids. Yeah, you'd uh, hope so. And Well, so. otherwise it wouldn't be a thing, right? Like it wouldn't right. even be a thing. This town, this individual town was easy to take back because it was not particularly well- 
the whole thing was not particularly well managed, right, um, and organized. But, like, one has to, like, otherwise it wouldn't, if it's not bigger than this, it wouldn't even be worth noting, right, as far as the movie, like, the movie itself sort of wouldn't make sense unless it's bigger than this. Mm-hmm. Because there's no reason why you would, why the army couldn't have done this in like five minutes. Right. Uh, except for the fact that one has to understand like, well, yes, but there's probably 30 other towns exactly like this. Right. The cool. French are leaving. The French are not leaving because of what is happening in this town. You know what I mean? They're... So I you know right. it, it's it's just it's an interesting um it kind of like Claire needs to sort of Denis is sort of putting you in a world where you have to sort of imagine the bigger world around this that isn't shown. Um yeah. And I I think it's safe to assume that the boxer is maybe like this town's local hero of the rebellion. Maybe. He might be Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. Obviously, uh, in being inspired by Sankara, he is uh, Sankara was bigger than that, right? That's yeah. what I mean. It's like but. that's that's my point is that like he's inspired by Sankara, but like it's worth noting that Sankara succeeded, right? Right? And, right? And, and the and boxer s- does not, yeah. Right? And the boxer's nowhere near succeeding, and so yeah. one has to assume that like it. One has to assume that like. Sankara had was had a lot of people he was working with, right? And and like not every place at every time was a successful part of a rebellion, right? You know what I mean? But like rebellions do require in addition to big figureheads require like local heroes and local points of sort of unification. Uh and I and I think that when you're looking at the boxer that you're probably looking at something like that that is like this is the person that this town is sort of hanging their hat on. Yeah. Uh, and and that, I think that's normal, right? So I don't know. It's just interesting because, again, otherwise you have to look at the movie and be like, well, this doesn't really make any sense. I mean, from a sort of like that particular element of like, oh, well, I mean, this movie is, you know, I if you're going to be really critical of like sort of the realism or whatever of the movie or something like that, which I don't think is necessary at all. But um, I'm going to say the boxer is inspirational to these local kids uh, and, and maybe not anybody beyond that sphere. Hard to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maria doesn't seem to know who he is, but also Maria doesn't know a lot of things. So, <laughs> well, right. The Maria is, is has purposely sort of like as, despite being somebody who believes that she belongs in this place is relatively out right. of touch with the world. She thinks she belongs to. Right. Yeah. Her son recognizes who he is and, and that he's important. Right. Uh, and her son is even more disconnected from, from society at this point. So maybe there's that too. But, uh, yeah. Well, you want that one, you're kind of presented with Maria being sort of, to a certain extent, um, single minded and like, over, like over, so what I'm looking for, like, sort of intensely obsessed with, like, the one thing, right? Which is running this coffee plantation, right? Which right. does sort of, you know, belie the idea that, like, she's, well, she's just so attached to this place. Like, the place being, like, 
the place being actually just the plantation and not like the town or the area, right? Her attachment appears to be solely to the plantation. Yeah. So. A plantation she doesn't even really own. No, like but like any, yeah, very even true. in the legal I mean, sense, right? And the right. law, the law is nothing, right? But even in the legal sense, she she literally has no claims to this land, right? Besides, uh, besides being the one who worked it, and you know, there's something to be said that, that the the worker, the worker of the land deserves it, but she's not really that either. Right? Well, I mean, she's basically she's, like she's, a foreman, right? Like, and yeah, and she, and, and and as we know. When one yeah. gets into the ideas of Marxist <laughs> revolutions and stuff, the foreman is a complicated character. <laughs> right, right. The, uh, I mean, in this situation, she does appear to do work. Right. But she is also and a to know tool what of the, uh, 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 yeah. if nothing else, a tool of the oppressor. Right, right. Yeah, you know, well, that's how, that's how colonialism, capitalism, uh, racial hierarchies hold on to power. Right. Is by creating a bunch of middle management. Right. So, um, uh, and now they're trying to make a new kind of middle management, which is just a bunch of random ass computer programs that you can blame everything on. It's like, yeah. ah, I didn't do this. The computer program did it. That's what the computer says. Yeah, the computer said I should kill all my workers. I don't know. I just did what it told me to. Made the line go up. Uh, anyway, I think it's probably time to pull this one to a close. Uh, we've been talking about white material by Claire Denis. Uh, always remember, uh, Europeans, go back to Europe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a one easy one easy step to fix your your uh, your problem with your colony. Leave. Stop being colonizers. Yeah, like like fix your colonization problem. And one and this quick this quick what is it like the 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 advertisement yes. internet is always like. One, uh, one simple, uh, one simple trick. Yeah, one Go simple home. trick to fix your colonization <laughs> problem. Go the fuck away. <laughs> uh, let people self determine. That's yeah. all. That's all. All we really need. Anyway, next week we'll be talking about Kess from 1969, directed by Ken Loach. I think it might be our first Ken Loach, Ken Loach film. Um, and we'll get a we'll get a teleplay directed by Ken Loach as part of that as well. So look forward to that this week. As I said, it's been White Material from 2009, directed by Claire Denis, our first Claire Denis film. Uh, currently, two other Claire Denis films in the Criterion Collection that we will eventually watch in the far flung future, I'm sure. Which ones are they? Beautreville, uh, which is another another of her African films, uh, which is Spine 1042, and Let the Sunshine In. Uh, one of her more recent works, uh, it came out in 2017. Uh, we'll actually watch that one first at nine, Spine 976. Nine, uh, still uh, 10 years away if we, if we I, make it that far. I love the way we this podcast works. We will have more clarity in the future. <laughs> yeah. I love that we're like, well, you know, 400, uh, you know, like, you know, 350, uh, three, 350 Something. spine numbers, you know, five fucking years to. or whatever. <laughs> Something to look forward to. Um. Uh, yeah, I will. I will. I will count the days. Listen, I, I still live within a colonialist country I mean, of which I am. Uh, I am aligned, at least uh, culturally, with the colonizers. Uh, so within five years, maybe. Uh, I maybe mean, I live. I live different. in a in a neo-colonial power. 
Right. Uh, most certainly. You're you're more insulated from being the the colonist in your situation, though. <laughs> I suppose so. Yeah. I Possibly, I still reap arguably. the benefits of neocolonialism. Oh, for certainly, sure, certainly, yes, uh, and you know, reap reap them in ways where even as you recognize you reap them, you actually just can't stop. Uh, because of the, because no, of the, no. I mean, that's part of the the way the the, the way society. the system is designed is you cannot withdraw from any of yeah. the evil the system does. Um, yeah, gotta love it. Hey, welcome, welcome to anarchism. Well, hey, <laughs> well, welcome to any system that rejects colonialism as a sort of core tenet. Okay, that's fair. Uh, that's fair. I mean, I would, I would say that that you know, if we're talking looking at timelines, I would argue that Marx makes an argument that you can't withdraw yourself from capitalism a little bit, just just on pure timelines of who's writing what when. But thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oitari Dorgan, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. been lost in criterion hosted by me adam glass find me on twitter at the adam glass my co-host is john patrick Ovatari dorgan you can find him on twitter at j patrick dorgan big thanks to jonathan hape for our theme song check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com or hear more from him on any streaming service also thanks to all our patreon supporters itunes reviewers and redbubble customers and hey thank you for listening